said. Braves fan, NASCAR nut, and Mississippi State Bulldog through and through. And now, here with an unlimited supply of misinformation is Mr. Know-It-All. He's Mike Grace, and he's here inside the press box. Oh, but see, I don't have to be Mr. Know-It-All because I've got... I've got a contact list, and I, I I can call the guys who actually know it all, which is what we do here inside the press box. Mike Race along with Bart Heitch and Colin Lacey and you on great stations around the southeast, including our friends all over the state of Alabama, listening in Mobile on Sports Talk 99.5. In the Shoals area, Fox Sports Shoals up in Florence, that is our friends there as well. And we head to Birmingham right now, Birmingham's WJOX, one of the most listened to sports radio stations in the country year in, year out. They get the best ratings of anybody out there. Part of that smack dab in the middle of their programming day is three-man front, and part of that group is our pal Pat Smith, who joins us. Find him on X at Pat Smith Radio and the show at Three Man Front. Great guest last week, Pat, that I heard you guys have in regards to the NCAA deal, the lawsuits that are out there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, again, based on what we're seeing, it literally could threaten the governing power, the enforcement powers of what's supposed to be the governing body for college athletics. So, from what you learned in all those interviews last week, where, where is this going? Where is the future of the NCAA headed, man? Well, I think right now, guys, what's happening is you've got a judge is going to have to he's going to have to rule on the restraining order that that's what the Tennessee and the state of Virginia, that's what they've asked for. Now, over the weekend, the NCAA, they had to at least answer the claim to the lawsuit. And that was due on Saturday night, which they did. The most interesting part is the NCAA is telling the state of Tennessee, show us the damages, show us exactly what has happened, show us what recruit you did not get because of NIL. Show us the damages, and then we can move forward. And, of course, the Tennessee AG, he comes back on Sunday, and he basically says, look, it's not so much what has happened, but we're trying to fix something in the future. What they're trying to fix, guys, is you've got signing day coming up on February the 7th. They want this restraining order. They want that decided by February the 6th so that, you know, you can have 24 hours where you can go out and you can induce and get any kid that you want to with any kind of money, private Loop plane, hole. it doesn't matter. Exactly. So, but it's interesting because one of the guests that we had on last week, Mike, Dan Lust, who's a noted sports attorney, he actually had his hands on the docket and he, he kind of broke the news on our show. He said, look, according to this right now, they're not going to talk about this restraining order until December, or excuse me, February the 13th which is a whole week after what the Tennessee AG wants. So now there's a little back and forth. It could come at any moment, the restraining order, because if that were to happen, guys, if you think it's the wild, wild west now, you would have a period by the time that restraining order is given by the court until whenever it potentially is changed, it is just open season. Like you can do whatever you want to. There is no guys. It is absolutely you go out and do whatever you want to do to pro to procure any type of talent anywhere. Mm. In addition to all of this, when you look at the NCAA, the SEC and the Big Ten announced they're going to do a joint group and advisory board. What can come of that? And then what do you think will come of that? Well, I think what has happened now is that Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti of the Big Ten, they have had enough. They have been on the sideline. They have been to Capitol Hill. They have tried to be the staunchest ally they can to the NCAA. But let's be honest, guys, 
when you've got at least four national lawsuits, I read one lawsuit could end up costing the NCAA $4 billion if they lose that lawsuit. So the NCAA is in, in some hot water here. And you've got a situation where the SEC and the Big Ten, they just can't sit idly by. I mean, they've got to take the reins of this horse and they've got to rein it in and they got to be able to kind of control the destiny of what's going to happen moving forward. The most interesting thing is happening in Dallas. A lot of people might be concentrating on what's happening with this lawsuit. Keep your eye on what's happening in Dallas today and tomorrow. The College Football Playoff Committee Board of Managers, they are meeting. They met in Houston at the national championship game. They were supposed to vote on the 5-7 format. That was supposed to be a slam dunk. That was a done deal. And then all of a sudden, you had the president of Washington State, who's on that committee, he basically threw a monkey wrench in it. It's got to be unanimous. And he was not going to vote for it in Houston because he's worried about the Pac-2. He's worried about Washington State and Oregon State and the monies they're going to get moving forward. So with that being said, Petiti and Sankey both are now telling people privately, hey, hold on a second. If you guys don't go ahead and get this going with a 5-7 format, then we just might have to take these things on our on our own hands. And so, Colin, back to your question, what ultimately can happen, I think they're going to strong arm whatever the SEC and Big Ten wants in this college football playoff meeting. And if they don't get their way then, then you guys better hold on to your bootstraps because there's no telling what those two conferences can do because they control the money purse, they control the television, they control the great um, names in college football, so everything could be off the board if this meeting in excuse me this meeting in Dallas doesn't go well the next two days. Wow. So this it's kind of different the eyes I look to look at it through because I'm looking at it through more basketball eyes, Pat. And and so I'm like, how does this affect? We're just talking about football, though, right? Well, okay. Here's the here's the thing, Bart. So every dollar that is spent by a national media rights holder. 80% of that dollar, 80 cents on a dollar, goes to football, okay? The other 18 to 19% goes to men's college basketball, and then the rest goes to all the non-revenue-producing sports. So with that being said, that is the that is the tail wagging the dog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's football. So at the end of the day, whatever the Big Ten and the SEC decides, the first and foremost, the, the largest amount of money that you're going to get is going to be off that CFP rights that is going to come up in the next two years. So that is why that is so important. Basketball, according to the NCAA, they make $1.1 billion a year, the NCAA does, off the men's basketball tournament. If it wasn't for the men's basketball tournament, there would not be an NCAA. But as far as the SEC and the Big Ten goes, it's all about the CFP revenue that they're trying to negotiate right now. My question is, if I can, Colin, jump in here. I mean, if, if if something happens, we've talked about a potential breakaway for football, et cetera, et cetera. If that were to happen, led by the power two of the SEC and the Big Ten, can the NCAA somehow hang on to their the, the basketball tournament as it is now? Or again, some of these lawsuits could even put that in jeopardy, couldn't they? No, absolutely, Mike. And that's the problem. And that's why I think Petiti and Sankey on Friday – you know, said what they did and launched that advisory committee because they don't want to get to the point. Listen, they need the NCAA for Title IX. They need the NCAA to hold on these other national championships. You know, the SEC, the Big Ten, they don't want to run all of these, no offense, the the soccer or volleyball national championships. They don't want to run that. The big money ticket items, which is obviously football comes first. And then they got no issue with the NCAA being able to continue to run 
the men's basketball and the women's basketball tournament. So they need the NCAA for certain aspects of it. But at the end of the day, we all know it's about the money. And I think ultimately you could get these 68 schools, what we are now calling the Power Four and Notre Dame, because that's all the conferences plus Notre Dame, that's 68 schools. And then at that point in time, you've got that many teams. Then you've got to put so much money on top of the table. You have a salary cap. You have collective bargaining. You've got the players now have a union in which they can negotiate, whether it's insurance or potential contracts in the future. All that stuff can be on the table, but it has to get going. And I think that's where the SEC and the Big Ten, they're trying to because they've waited long enough. And now you're seeing what's happening with your bureaucracy. Pat, the big question that I've got in all of this is, what is the realistic timeline? Because some people will say it could happen tomorrow. And then some people are still in the mindset of, oh, we've been talking about it for years. This is five, ten years down the road. I don't know that you're five, ten years down the road. How quickly could this fall into play? I, I think it's going to be within the next two years. And the reason why is because you have a CFP window of opportunity with the, the contract negotiations. I hate to keep going back to the media deals with all these companies and these leagues, but as we all know, that's what it all comes down money's to. It's, yeah. it's, it's how much money that you're going to be able to put in your coffers. And so at the end of the day, I think the SEC is sitting there going, okay, now wait a second. I've got Florida under investigation. Now supposedly Tennessee's under um, investigation from the NCAA. So needless to say, they want to get something going. So they're they're going right now with this advisory group. They're trying to do everything in their power in which they can get this ball rolling. So I think within the next two years, because of the CFP contract, because listen, what, what if the Big Ten and the SEC, first off, I don't think it's going to happen, but what if those two leagues said, you know what, y'all go do your little whatever you want to do, but the two powerful leagues in college football, we're going to take their champion and our champion and we're going to play for the national championship. Now, who? Now, you might have the Florida States of the world that might scream and yell like they did this last year, or you might have somebody in the Big 12. But at the end of the day, everybody in America knows that whoever wins those two conferences and they play each other, the winner of that game will be the national champion. So they literally could take their ball and go home. The issue with that is Greg Sankey and Petiti, they don't want that to happen. They want to be able to work in the framework. But I think they're at the point now where they're willing to strong arm and get some things done that typically they would have gone through the political action committee to try to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Pat, for entertainment purposes only, what I hear you say, what I see happening across the world in golf, basically this whole thing it comes down to who's going to run out of money first, the NCAA or the PGA? It sounds like the PGA part, to be honest with you. But but is it not exactly the same? Is it is, is it not exactly the same thing? I mean, is live and TV money, media rights money, not exactly the same thing? Yeah, no. I mean, you are right, Bart. Um, you know, the NCAA. It, listen, if it was not, as I just mentioned prior, if it was not for what CBS and Turner, what they pay for the NCAA basketball tournament, which is one point one billion. And you just saw the tax records this last week of what the NCAA brought in. Out of that $1.1 billion, they distribute about $670 million back to all the schools that consider themselves NCAA members. So there is a surplus there. And, of course, when you have lawsuit after lawsuit and you're spending 50 to $60 million of your budget every year to Sounds represent – like a political to, campaign or something. It really does. They're defending themselves all the time. 
at some juncture, it's got to stop. And I think that's where the SEC and the Big Ten says, you know what, we have given this an opportunity to work itself out. You're not going to get a resolution on Capitol Hill. There's too many other problems. This is election year. So the SEC and the Big Ten, they have to take advantage of it now. So Pat Smith joining us here from Jocks and Three Man Front. Um, let's go to SC basketball here. So I'm just going to break it down real quick like this. Um, that was a whipping in Tuscaloosa, um, and it's <laughs> and it's trended like that. But I want to I want to literally go to why, and it's because 83 shot attempts to 55. You're going to let Tolu Smith get 14 attempts all day long, and and Alabama had went 10 of 10 from the line, which is great. State shot 32 free throws, and Nate Oates didn't care. He doesn't care. He's deep. He's This Alabama team, the analytics, the way it was more steals, more blocks, beating Mississippi State at their bread and butter, is this – are we seeing a personnel um, grouping that fits Nate Oates' system as well as any we've seen, Pat? And, and the reason I think that is, Brian Passing and I talked about this, Grant Nelson is able to guard the five by himself, and now they've got four guards out there that can all shoot it, including their big – all that jumbled up together, is this his best team? I'll tell you what. I mean, if you look at the periphery, you look at, at who he's getting off the bench, who's contributing, you know, that magic number of hitting 35% of your three-point shots, that was kind of the the idea that Alabama, that's the only way that they can be successful. Well, they shot 31% the other night exactly. against Mississippi against Mississippi State. And at the beginning of the year, you remember, everyone was saying, well, Grant Nelson, he – He's got to step up his game. You know, he's got to do this and that. Well, he stepped it up. He's going more to the hole. He's playing better defense. And yes. so, Bart, I, I firmly believe that if you look at one through eight and what he is putting out on the court to be able to defend and be able to to be able to score, it's probably Nate Oates' best team. I mean, listen, the, the offensive efficiency numbers don't lie what this team has been able yeah. to do. Now, granted, you go up against a team like Tennessee, as they did a few weeks ago, that is locked in from a defensive perspective. That might cause you some problems. But at the end of the day, I go back to what you said, Bart. When you watch Nate Oates, it reminds me – I know I'm going old school here. Mike Grace might be the only one that would remember this. But it was almost like Loyola Marymount back in the day. What do you where, mean Mike Grace will be the only one that remembers <laughs> Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers and listen, going to Baton Rouge and scoring listen, 100 Since you have your head shaved, I can't tell whether you got white hair or not. I don't know how old you are, Bart. <laughs> they recruited me. Thank you, though. Loyola got, Marymount did? Why? Did. You can't shoot? Why would they do oh that? <laughs> like, when I was really young, I was one of my you first You can't run up that. and down the court more than three times, and you got to get a timeout? No, what are that, you talking about? And, and uh, nah, Yeah, you might be right, Pat. Yeah. That was a lot of hair ago. No. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but back to my point. They just, I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, we it's thought 40 minutes, of, 40 minutes of hell with Nolan Richardson was fast-paced. But, but you know what? When you watch those Loyola Marymount teams, they didn't care. Like They wanted to put up as many shots as they could. Hopefully, percentages are going to work out. They're going to score more than you. That reminds me of what this Alabama team is. It's like, get down the court, let's get a shot up, and let's let's get a good look, and hopefully it goes in. And real quick, the rules. We were talking about this earlier. I'm really going to dive in. The rules of basketball, not being able to take charges and being able to attack and yeah. pitch the way you do now because people don't teach charge. Everything's offensive. That's, that's this, true. This explosion of points in the SEC, I, I, I'm an offensive guy. But, but, but where's the defense? 
What's going on here? You have three or four teams averaging 90 points a game. That's unheard of in this league, Pat. Well, and the other thing is, you, and I'm not a big NBA fan, but every time I turn on an NBA game, you got somebody going for 60, 70 points a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no defense. I mean, they're not they're not teaching it at the college level, and they certainly aren't taking it to the next level of professional basketball. Pat, you've got a big one coming up this week over in Alabama. You've got Bama and Auburn over at Neville Arena on Wednesday. The IBOB. Yeah. This is this is like a that. matchup, especially at this point in the SEC schedule. At Neville Arena, what does this one turn into? Um, I think it's a revenge game. I think that place is going to be unhinged. I think it's going to be a very tough outing for Alabama. Let's if you're an Alabama fan, you better hope that you could shoot more than thirty five percent from the three point arc because that second half, that really, you could tell, that kind of energized the Auburn basketball. It was a rough week last week, uh, how or the week before, how, you know, how Auburn had played. They, of course, beat up on Vandy on Wednesday night. But you know what? Being able to do what they did in the second half and the players taking ownership of the way that they had been playing in the first half, that, that's what needs to happen. And I think for Auburn basketball fans, they might point to that game at Ole Miss what they did in the second half is kind of the turning point of the season. They kind of righted the ship, and what a better way to do it against your biggest rival on Wednesday night. I think it's going to be unhooked. I think it's going to be one of – you know, everyone was anticipating the Tennessee-Kentucky game on Saturday night was yeah. going to be the game so far in the league, and it was an entertaining game. But, man, when you when you see how Neville's going to be off the chain and you're going to start seeing Top of the league. lining up – yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you have these two teams and, and Auburn uh, both going to be top 20 teams uh, when the when the rankings come out later today. So so are you ready to say real quick, Mike, are you ready to say that, I mean, we've seen it the last two, three, four, five years, does the SEC basketball regular season championship go through the state of Alabama now? I think it does. Yeah. I really do. Um, I mean, listen, t- Tennessee to me, Tennessee, Alabama, and Auburn are the three teams to me that look like they can have extended late runs in March. South Carolina-ish, yes. Yeah. Okay, you think South Carolina. Ish, ish. They're that close. But, you know, the thing that got me about Joe Lenardi's uh, stuff on Friday is that he had Texas A&M in, Bart, but he didn't have Florida in. Hmm. And, of course, yeah, I mean, we saw what happened down in College Station, but if you look at Texas A&M's schedule the second half of the season, man, you kind of scratch your head a little bit because – Texas A&M's got a tough schedule, and yeah. I don't know if they could traverse that schedule. Pat Smith Radio uh, on X at Pat Smith Radio and at Three Man Front on your radio on Birmingham's WJOX. Check them out there. Since you're our first guest of the week, you get the first crack. Uh, our, our Super Bowl extravaganza, the big game extravaganza. We're not supposed uh, to do anything with the actual name of the Super Bowl. Right. You know, they're going to sue us. Big game uh, in the desert. So, so the, big, big, the, the big, desert. big game challenge. Hey, what? Uh, the big game challenge. Uh, we're we're, we're going to give away a high hoop swag bag to the uh, to the guest this week who uh, wins uh, the, the, the Super Bowl challenge. So I I need, a, I need a winner and a score, please, sir. All right. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. 34, Niners 31. 34-31 KC. Another championship for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And Pat Smith walks away with a swag bag full of Heights Hoops goodies. I just want that Mississippi State helmet, Bart. That's all I want. It Give is. Me the uh, it is. 
it's not in root or transition yet, but it is extremely, extremely close. I love getting to continue to tell you that <laughs> every time it gets closer. <laughs> just believe like me, Mom. You've been, you been telling me that since, since <laughs> July. Charlie actually. Brown. It's like Charlie Brown. Natalie, <laughs> 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 hour number one in the press box for a Monday. We'll crack up hour number two. Dane Bradshaw talks SEC hoops with us next.